Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. This podcast is a discussion between two friends about films that we're interested in and want to discuss. In today's podcast, we're going to have a discussion of films that have not yet been released. And uh, it is unlikely that we will spoil many details, but we could always say something you guys don't want to hear and uh, speculate. And uh, just wanted to warn you that uh, this one will be, you know, of an unknown quantity. Yeah. Uh, today, Lloyd is going to let us know five films he's interested in. I'm going to let you know five films that I'm looking forward to and interested in. And uh, we'll start with one of Lloyd's. Well, the first film that I'm really looking forward to that's coming supposedly mid-next year, early to mid-next year, is Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Now, this is interesting because the biggest influential films, probably both in the horror genre and the sci-fi genre of the last 30 years, have been directed by Ridley Scott. And everyone's been awaiting his return to the sci-fi genre. And the two films were Alien and Blade Runner. What they did for comic books, music videos... Video games have been enormous. The way how he approaches um, directing these films is unheard of. Is crazy. The influence of Blade Runner, the influence of Alien, um, the production design, cinematography, um, what they did for the horror genre itself was amazing. This is his first re- return to the sci-fi film, and it's called Prometheus. Now, unfortunately. I looked up a lot. What I read when I looked at um, IMDb, I found out a lot more than I wanted to. Um, Basically, it's set in the alien world. Now, everyone thought this was a prequel to Alien. It kind of is. But it's in the same universe as Alien, but nothing to do with Alien, the creatures itself. So not the same creatures as Alien? No. Well, it exists in this universe, probably in a different planet. You know, that event is happening. But this event that these astronauts are discovering, like it's you know based in space and everything like that, is about something else completely. So when it was when that was open, a lot of fans were like, oh, but technically it's a prequel to Alien, the long-awaited return of Ridley Scott to revive the franchise because we all know how bad Alien and for that matter Predators have gotten with the recent films. Sure, yeah. And everyone thought, oh, Ridley Scott's coming back to save us, you know? No, um, he is returning. Like what happened is he he did pick up the script and he was going to go ahead with it as an alien prequel but then it just became this different story i think it's about um the mankind finding their where they initially existed so like a 2001 a space odyssey okay and it goes in this wild i don't know I, i don't want to know too much what's going to happen but i can't wait to see what ridley scott does with this I, but I am hugely very disappointed that he isn't making a return to Alien because I'm a huge fan of the Alien franchise. Yeah. Since it's happening in the same sort of universe as Alien, though, I mean, it's possible that they have those kind of movies where it ends with a nod to oh, the other okay, films. Oh, sure, yeah. Know. No, yeah. Um, and I know we, we won't know until this film comes out, you know, how accurate this is. It doesn't matter where he goes. Ridley Scott, people, is back in the sci-fi genre. It's huge. <laughs> he, he sort of brought back, uh, with Gladiator, he sort of brought back the epic Sandal movies, you know. Um, yeah. uh, I think I think the Gold Sandal movies. Um, uh, you know, Those Roman had, epics. Roman epics, yeah. yeah. We, we had Troy coming out and all the rest of it. Um, you know, and what he's got, what this is going to mean for the sci-fi genre, I don't know. Like, could you revive another franchise? Could he? I don't know. But Ridley Scott, he's, you know, he's this is huge. Well, maybe this is just coming in on the sort of coattails of Avatar, though. Oh, right. You know, because we've got, like, that 
kind of hitting massive money, highest grossing film of all time. Yeah. They're looking for the next Avatar. Perhaps. Yeah, come on, Ridley. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think Ridley's that kind of a director, though. He, whatever script he's given, he treats it with so much respect and just, just does it. Yeah, but yeah, it could be. It could be another big, we're hoping for an Avatar thing here. <laughs> do we Do we know a cast? No, I didn't want to look up the cast. Um, I, I didn't want to look up the cast too much. From what I read there, I just had to stop reading. I was like, oh, Ridley's gone sci-fi. That's all I want to know. <laughs> that's enough to make you excited yeah, about it. Yeah, that's enough to make me excited about it. Well, if you're interested in finding out about the cast, I mean, you guys can do your own independent <laughs> yeah. research. Don't look too much, people. I think I've spoiled enough. <laughs> I think I read somewhere Prometheus was the name of the ship. Uh, is that possible? I don't think so. It uh, obviously refers to the Greek um, story about, you know. Um, but, no, I don't know. What Not sure. No. All right. Um, the first film I'm looking forward to that yep. I wanted to talk about on this podcast is also a prequel. Well, sort of a prequel. Yours yep. wasn't as much a prequel. Sure, but yeah. <laughs> this, one, this one definitely is. Uh, it's called Oz, The Great and Powerful. Okay. And it's due for release in 2013. And basically, this is a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. You're kidding. Nope. Wizard of Oz prequel. That's yeah. fantastic. So, I'm a huge fan of Wizard of Oz. And um, the sequel to it, Return to Oz, uh, which is a very underrated and unheard of film, you know. Yeah. It's a prequel, right? It didn't become the instant classic that The Wizard of Oz no, is. No, it's become more of a cult classic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, who better to relaunch this franchise than someone else who's just been in a prequel, James Franco. He was okay. in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, the guy always looks high with the squinting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy from 127, 127 Hours, hours. who's yeah, yeah. Uh, you know Oscar-nominated actor sure. who's very big at the moment and stuff. He's um, playing Oz. Okay. And basically, he's like a wizard who you know does kind of parlor tricks and stuff and finds his way to the land of Oz. Mila Kunis, who um, you might know from Black Swan... Uh, opposite Natalie Portman. Right. Uh, also that 70s oh, show. Yep, she yep. plays Jackie. Yep. She's um, really up and coming now. Like, it's strange. Like, she's been in this staple show and people realise, hold on, she's actually a very good actress and very yeah. beautiful. <laughs> it's because I think she was in comedy for so long. Yeah. You know, like, she became, serious, yeah. became very pigeonholed. And I mean, I didn't know she was sort of anything but a comedic actor as well. So it is a big... And it wasn't a great role, was it? <laughs> in um, in that Jackie. 70s shows, yeah. yeah. Um, the budget of this film is, is 200 million. Wow, they're not mucking around. No, not mucking around at oh all. Oh, my God. So, uh, is it based on a book? Is it ba- you know, I know Wizard of Oz was, sure. Uh, not really sure, honestly. Um, difficult to say. It's basically telling the story of how the wizard arrived in Oz and how he became the ruler of Oz. Wow. So I'm not sure what state Oz is in at this time. I, I haven't heard of a book or anything about, you know, pre-The Wizard of Oz. So I'm expecting this to be a fresh take. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, hit us up on There's Facebook. There's no danger of killing the original Oz, um, Wizard of Oz anyway because um, Return to Oz was a very dark sequel and no one really, not many people have seen it and Wizard of Oz still stands as a staple as one of the greatest kids' movies of all time. Yeah. Even if this movie doesn't work out, I don't think it'll touch the original franchise. But that's great. Return to Oz, $200 million. Yeah. Go so, ask who's directing. <laughs> well, I'm happy to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Raimi. You're, wow, Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. That is brilliant. Of Spider-Man and Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> we spoke about him on the other podcast. Yeah, he's, uh, as I said, he approaches everything with so much passion yeah. and he's extraordinarily talented. I think his work 
on the Evil Dead trilogy alone showed his range and how he works with budget and stuff like that. And I think it's going to work. I think this is this is good. It's going to be a good film. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. I've yeah, got yeah. you excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I thought I'd also mention the supporting cast. Mila Kunis, she's actually playing Theodora, which is one of the witches. I don't know if it's a good or evil witch. I haven't seen Wicked. I'm not sure if anything from Wicked really sure. bleeds over into this film. Um, we've got Rachel Weiss. Um, Daniel Craig's wife she's um, Oscar nominated actress mm-hmm. she's playing Evanora also I'm guessing one of the witches and Michelle Williams is playing um, Glen- Glinda Glinda okay. so I'm yep. guessing she's maybe the good witch um, so already you've got kind of a dynamic supporting cast and Zach Braff from Scrubs is also doing a voice okay sure um, I'm not sure who the character he, he, he seems like a scarecrow to me <laughs> possibly <laughs> yeah. yeah doing the voice of a scarecrow and I've managed to uh, pull up a blurb for you okay. just um, that I was able to find Oz the Great and Powerful imagines the origins of the Wizard of Oz when Oscar digs so you can see Oz Oscar they've kind of already grabbed a character name played by James Franco a small-time circus magician is hurled away from dusty Kansas to the vibrant land of Oz. He thinks he's hit the jackpot. Fame and fortune are his for the taking. That is until he meets three witches, Theodora, Mila Kunis, Evanora, Rachel Weiss, and Glinda, Michelle Williams, who are not convinced he is the great wizard everyone's been expecting. Reluctantly drawn into the epic problems facing the land of Oz and its inhabitants, Oscar must find out who is good and who is evil before it's too late, putting his magical arts to use through illusion, ingenuity, and even a bit of wizardry. Oscar transforms himself not only into the great and powerful Wizard of Oz, but into a better man as well. Wow. So, I mean, it is a little revealing um, of the plot. But even so, if this is magical, you're going to get the Harry Potter fans... You're going to get anyone nostalgic about The Wizard of and Oz. And it's one of the greatest kids' movies, most influential of all time. Like, there was nothing like it till Star Wars in 1977. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And obviously, they fixed the problems of those kind of painted-on sets that The Wizard of <laughs> I Oz I love that. That's a charm. That's <laughs> a special effect. Uh, my next uh, film that I'm looking forward to is A Dangerous Method by David Cronenberg. Uh, it's it's his another pairing with Viggo Mortensen. That's correct. Um, we've talked about Martin Scorsese uh, teaming up with Leonardo DiCaprio. One of the directors that's very underrated, and many other directors consider him the best in their class. We're talking uh, John Carpenter, uh, John Landis. They all say he's got more talent than all of us. And David Cronenberg's been making, you know, working very heavily the last. 30 years. The last decade, though, he only came up with two films, A History of Violence and Eastern Promises. And they were very solid films starring Viggo Mortensen. They have a great working relationship together. Um, His films are very thought-provoking, very, uh, I don't want to say violent, but very, very intelligent. He, He goes into subjects that no one really wants to deal with, and he handles them so intelligently. I can't emphasize and talk this director up enough. It's also starring Keira Knightley, and it's about... Um, Freud, um, the psychoanalytical studies of Freud, and I think it's about the growth of that and where that matures. So it sounds like a period biographical piece, which he hasn't really sort of done since Dead Ringers, um, if I'm right. Some interesting territory there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's going to be whatever it is. Um, it, to be honest, it doesn't interest me much the subject. Yeah. But having David Cronenberg and his 
um, loyal team with him. Viggo Mortensen he, as well. Yeah, I, and he approaches all his roles, and he loves David Cronenberg. He's gone out of his way to say, "Yeah, I'll work with this guy, you know, till the end," sort of thing. Um, and as well, playing a, a real person or yeah. based on a real person—that's where all the Oscar nominations oh, come I from. I think it's going to be. It's probably going to be David Cronenberg's best film to date. You know, with with all those um, elements. Um, in place and I can't wait um, I look forward to David Cronenberg's films and I can't wait for this one apparently it's all done it's touring around I can't wait till Australia gets it so check it out the moment it comes out absolutely um, he did Existence yep, as Existence, well yeah. yeah great film Jude Law underrated yeah, a very underrated came out during the Matrix got completely overshadowed yeah <laughs> alright well the second film I'm looking forward to uh, actually hasn't got a title yet okay director Catherine Bigelow who uh, worked on The Hurt Locker. She won the Academy Award for that. She won the Academy Award, first female to win the Best Directing Oscar. She was working on a project um, all about the capture of Osama Bin Laden. Wow. Talk about touchy subjects. (laughs) Um, That's what this is about, or she was working on it? She was working on that, (coughs) and basically, now that he has been killed, uh, the whole script's changed. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously from The Hurt Locker winning that Oscar. Um, this project is now untitled. So uh, on IMDb, it's referred to as Untitled International Thriller. Sure. Um, but it is about the killing of Osama Bin Laden and that whole event. And basically, obviously, details hidden for now. Talk but about touchy subjects. Jeez. Yeah, there's three uh, cast members attached. Yep. Um, a man named Idris Elba, who looks like he'll be playing the Obama role. Okay. And then you've got Tom Hardy, famous for being in Bane. Oh. The Dark Knight Rises. Right, which, uh, after <laughs> after you see The Dark yeah. Knight Rises, you'll um, you'll know. And also Guy Pearce. Okay. Who, I, as I said on the other podcast, completely underrated. I'm a big Guy Pearce yeah. fan. Um, and you've got to utilise him while he's still got the looks, you know? <laughs> sure. And obviously he's um, hot off his winning a Golden Globe, uh, or an Emmy, was it? Um, sure. For uh, Mildred Pierce. He's recently won an award, so he's... That's a made-for-TV movie, is it? Uh, yeah, with Kate Winslet. Okay. So um, he basically was quite famously quoting things about um, making love with Kate Winslet. All his scenes, he had to make love with Kate wow. Winslet, and he <laughs> made his wife Lucky jealous. <laughs> um, so this is basically about the final days of Osama Bin Laden's life and the operation that led to his demise. And so I'm assuming that these characters, played by Tom Hardy and um, Guy Pearce, that they're basically playing the uh, Navy SEAL Team 6. So um, they'll be playing the military who go sure. in and you actually see this whole thing executed. Wow. I'm guessing. It fa- sounds fantastic, but very touchy. Like, yeah. you think something like this would come out maybe 20 years later, you know? Yeah. Um, exactly. And I'm worried about Catherine uh, Bigelow. Like, normally a lot of directors, after they win the Academy Award, they get into a stage with, what, what do I do next? You know, I just won an Academy Award, the pressure's on. Yep. And you got, like, Ron Howard and stuff like that, that, you know, where do they go sort of thing. Um, I wish her all the best. Yeah, know? this has become one of the hottest projects in town because it's so topical. Yeah. Right? Uh, basically, they uh, were able to get a distributor already Sony signed on <laughs> right away uh, because everybody's going to make money exactly yeah, yeah. it's it's a huge sort of sort of subject and ironically it's also coming out right before Obama's re-election campaign and so it might be somewhat a propaganda film for Obama's re-election right because it's saying look 
everybody's just getting a fresh reminder that bin Laden's no longer around and Obama may have had a lot to do with that, you know, became a massive priority for yeah. him when he was in office. So uh, like Fahrenheit 9-11 against George Bush, yeah. Okay. Maybe, that came yeah. Out during election, sure. Um, I was thinking as well, like uh, video games, they're all cashing in on this uh, Osama craze, I guess yeah. you can call it, um, with... Uh, you know shoot 'em up type games recreating the bunker where he was and like you know you can play as one of the seal team six members and go in and, and try and kill bin laden yeah that's gonna sell like crazy so that's coming out or that's, that's coming out? i believe <laughs> yeah. um i haven't played it you know but if they're cashing in why not a film why not a film sure and if you give a car- uh, you give an actor a role like obama another actor's gonna play osama you know, you're getting both sides of it. I'm, I'm imagining this will be a very pro-America kind of film, especially around the re-election and everything yeah. like that. It's just, um, I'm thinking if the roles are, are nailed by these people, if they get them right, it's going to be an amazing film. Yeah, uh, it's, it's weird. I'd, I'd probably want Oliver Stone or someone to direct something like this. But Oliver Stone directed that World Trade Center yeah, film. Yeah, no. Well, it did well, actually, that did film. It? Yeah, I, I don't think critically it did well, but it made a fortune, yeah. As I, you, yeah, it's a topical Yeah, subject, topical, yeah. exactly. I mean, it was not even the first film that came out about 9-11. Oh, okay, what was... Um, un- United 93 came out before oh, that. Oh, about the about airplane. The, that was a telly movie, wasn't it? Or was it an actual no, feature yeah, film? Okay, it was sure. released in yeah. cinemas, yeah. yeah. And uh, But it had, like, a really uh, unknown cast. It was all sort of, you know... Um, generic kind of unknown actors so you didn't really have like a leonardo dicaprio or anybody carrying the film whereas world trade center you've got your nicholas Nicholas cage Cage. yeah 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 so um looking forward to it if if not just to get a better understanding of sort of what happened and everything because you know um my knowledge of this incident though they sort of tell you and tell you and tell you all these different things seeing it would be a whole different experience yeah and I haven't seen her Oscar-winning film, um, which was The Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker. Um, but I heard it was fantastic. Yeah. And if she approaches that with the same craftsmanship, I'm sure it'll be a fantastic film. Yeah, yeah. so it's one to watch, I think. Yeah. Uh, my next uh, choice of film is The People vs. George Lucas, a documentary discussing the ownership of Star Wars and how George Lucas has pretty much killed the franchise and what does that relationship mean? But, um, delves into subjects like um, artist, ownership, copyright. Do Once you make a film and it goes out to the public, do you really have the right to modify it and everything like that? Like Obviously, all the Star Wars films have been heavily edited in the yeah. Blu-ray and he's, DVD. Edition. He's recast uh, and redone oh, that bit gosh, with the yeah. ghosts at the end. And, and I'm a huge, for all the people online and everything like that, I'm a huge Red Letter Media fan. They famously did the 70-minute review of Star Wars Episode One, And this film I won't obviously touch and break down what was wrong with the new Star Wars. It, it really just touches on the relationship between the cult audiences of Star Wars and how George Lucas and his changing of the later Star Wars, you know, um, it coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, how that has affected um, the relationship. It sounds very, very interesting, and I can't wait till this comes. Apparently it's done, and it's just touring non-stop around a lot of festivals. It's been done for a long time, I think a year and a half. So that's interesting because, like, George Lucas's name is in the 
the title. Yeah. Um, they're sort of already stealing his identity and that sort of thing. Yeah. They're, they're making money on his name. <laughs> yeah. Because if it was just called The People vs. Films and stuff, maybe nobody would have heard of I it. I heard it's a very intelligent documentary. I would love for that to come out um, as soon as possible to Australia. Um, it did um, air in some uh, festivals, but very limited viewing, obviously. Um, but uh, it's already out technically, but not officially out. Um, I, I highly recommend everyone because Star Wars is such a huge thing. Influential. Um, yeah, influential thing. I highly recommend everyone to go check out this film. And it's not just about Star Wars. It's about authorship, copyright. Um, does the artist have the right to go back on their older films and, um, and re-edit them? Like George Lucas has said, if I have a house that's white, and I choose to paint it green. Everyone might hate that colour, but it's my house. And in some ways, he's right. But at the same time, Star Wars is part of our childhood. It's it's now, you know, part of everyone. Now, it belongs to the audiences. Do you, does the artist have that right to remod it? Does, if Leonardo da Vinci was alive right now, would he? is he allowed to go back and remodify uh, the Mona Lisa? You know, that sort of argument. Yeah, I guess with... Um, difficult to say with... Uh, da Vinci <laughs> uh, because I mean once you've finished a painting it's finished mm. you know you sort of wouldn't see more modifications you'd see a new version of yeah. the same thing um, with film you get a lot of director's cuts so isn't that really their one chance to modify a film yeah he's going director cut director cut director cut <laughs> yeah um, I personally don't like these changes at all uh, but I could get into that that's a huge discussion but as for the film itself, um, I'm really looking forward to how this is discussed. I'm looking forward to how the film delves into these passionate Star Wars fans and their reaction. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like a fantastic, intelligent film. Very nice. Uh, my next film I'm looking forward to is a little bit predictable, perhaps, because uh, we've discussed superhero films on this podcast before. But um, I'm really curious about Man of Steel which is uh, Zack Snyder, who did 300 and Watchmen, his whole new sort of take and relaunching of the Superman I gotta, franchise. I've got to cut you there. Relaunching? Like, they're forgetting about the original? Uh, I don't think forgetting the original, obviously, with recasting, it sort of oh, changes I'm sorry, things Sorry, when I again. say the original, the one that just came out. Oh, so Brian Singer's Superman Brian Returns. Singer, that's the one. Sorry, I couldn't think of the director. Yeah. yeah uh, well, in that one, they gave Superman... Spoilers, everyone. Uh, a son yeah. <laughs> with Lois Lane. Oh, wasn't that a terrible movie? <laughs> I loved that movie when they had the plane coming down and he yeah, stops it, stops it before the um, the baseball field, and anybody gets hurt, and then everybody cheers when he puts it down. Everyone gets out of there. He gives a wave. I'm a sucker for a scene like that. Yeah, and that was great action and stuff. And then it slowly becomes a whole different. <laughs> it movie. was terrible, wasn't it? Universally, everyone recognizes like a bad film. Like, yeah, or was it just me. It was nostalgic because they had the same opening titles, similar music, you and know. it continues on, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, sure. And this one, what is it? A remake, a sequel? Well, I'm, I'm the, just to touch on that other one as oh, well, sure, I'm yeah. pretty sure also um, they used Marlon Brando's they voice. Did. They did as yeah, well. Yeah. So there's a huge nostalgia. Obviously, Brian Singer, a big Superman fan he really liked the series and you know he wanted to put his own flavor in there uh well they've recast we've got henry cavill who uh is sort of climbing the charts i guess yep. he's in uh, the new movie the immortals and um amy adams who's the redhead from enchanted and uh you know various yep. films um she'll be playing lois lane so a bit of a different kind of sure. take on it um this budget is 175 million again 
not messing no around. around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but well, you got Zack Snyder. He's he's on a roll. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested to see what he does next. He you know relaunched Dawn of the Dead, 300 Watchmen. I mean, we could talk about Sucker Punch. But... <laughs> he's one and only bad film so far. <laughs> um, but what, what else is interesting is the story is by David S. Goyer, who did uh, the Blade films, yeah. and he also worked on Batman, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And Christopher Nolan. Wow, okay. Yeah. Well, he's helping out with the script. Helping out, Brilliant. yeah. Brilliant. So, again, if it is a relaunch of uh, the Superman franchise, and uh, the fact that Russell Crowe is in it as Jor-El, the Mullen... They got Russell Crowe. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, that, that sort of suggests that they're going to have it all sort of happen again, you know, because you've got a Jor-El character. Oh, you're saying uh, from that... you. It, it, it's a suggestion of a reboot completely sort of yeah um well that's sort of how i'm reading it yep um kevin costner and diane lane are playing jonathan and i've always talked up kevin costner as well well kevin costner's got quite a resume (laughs) he's a hell of a director as well but if this film focuses more on the action than the uh, the interplay with Lois Lane. If you put Lois Lane in danger, you have Superman save her. You get that kind of you know she's involved in the story. She's she shouldn't just be uh, a, a sort of damsel in distress. Yeah. Exactly. I did want to show you something. Oh, Lawrence Fishburne as well playing wow. Perry White. Okay. Yeah. The, the uh, newspaper editor. You know, and Clark Kent's boss. Sure. That should be interesting. He's got the voice. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's a nice turn, I think. <laughs> um, I do want to show you a picture, and I want to stress to listeners that this isn't anything new. Yep. Um, we will put it on the Facebook page, though, just so if you're interested in it, you can't find it anywhere else. I'm sure you can, but it's on our Facebook page. And while you're there, like Podme if you can. <laughs> but there's a picture I'm now showing Lloyd, and this is Superman. What the hell the is that? <laughs> do you notice anything missing? The belt? You know, the, the belt and the underpants. Yeah. Okay, it's going for a more armoured sort of Batman-esque look. Sort of. Um, the issue I have here is it looks like he is forgotten to get dressed. <laughs> and this is the only oh, real... that could work. The thing that worries me about this yeah. Superman, I mean, the outfit is huge. Obviously, when they re-sort of tinted in Superman Returns, they sort of made the cape that kind of maroon colour. Yeah. That was like a huge deal. Everyone was like, whoa, what the heck, you know? And Oh, they're going to bitch about this. <laughs> Yeah, this is pretty big. Yeah, that's that's big. I see what you mean. Yeah, that's huge. Removing an article of clothing from uh, Superman. Zach, I, I give much respect to Zack Snyder. He, I don't think he's much of a writer-director, but he is a very, very good visual director. And hearing Christopher Nolan and Goya signed on to the script, he can't go wrong. This is going to be good. This is, And $175 million, I wouldn't be surprised. And they're shooting this now. I believe so. I yes. wouldn't be surprised this blows out to even bigger. Like Maybe two, two fifty. You know, yeah. they've, they've had some shots of him uh, with a beard as well, which suggests they're going for maybe you know a story that goes over time. If he's got time to grow a beard, you know, and Superman goes off to do something, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm really quite looking forward to that one. Um, my film, and you're gonna have to help me with this one, Dave, is Martin Scorsese's Hugo. Uh, Martin Scorsese, I've said many times, uh, he is I consider the greatest director working in the world at the moment. Um, his films just get better and better. I do, I'm not a huge fan of his last film, uh, Shutter Island, but he 
oh, as always, displays the greatest and highest level of craftsmanship. No one moves the camera like him. Phenomenal. He can summon any cast he wants in the world. Everyone understands the importance of Martin Scorsese in the business today. He is up on high with Orson Welles, Martin, uh, Stanley Kubrick, and so forth. This is a different departure for him. He's going into a more kids' film. And I looked a bit into this. Uh, Dave, did you see anything about this? I think I saw a bit of the trailer as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely right ready for release, this one. Oh, okay. Oh, um, it's ready to go. I believe so. And I'd, from what I read, it's not an animation, right? It's, no. But it mixes in, because it's a period piece set in the 30s, it mixes in a lot of um, CGI and all that. Um, it's interesting, Scorsese, looking back at his work, really didn't touch with CGI until Gangs of New York, heavily into it in Aviator, and um, then he went back to his roots with The Departed. And this one seems a lot of strong uh, modern technologies um, going into this. Yeah, there does seem to be a lot of kind of little gadgets and um, like yeah. iconic little things he's throwing it's together. it's a PG-rated film. When has Martin Scorsese come out with a PG-rated film? Yeah. I, <laughs> Other than the documentaries. I got kind of a Pinocchio vibe from this. Sure. There's like a Jude Law, um, it seems a bit oh, like yeah. a Geppetto yeah. kind of character. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot about it either. No, me either. Yeah, I, read yeah. a, I read an interview where Martin Scorsese was um, saying the film was magical. He had to describe it in one word. Magical's what wow. he chose. Well, the reason I selected this is because everyone should know that Martin Scorsese is very important to cinema and cinema history. What he's done for the documentary, what he's done for archives, um, archiving and, and just general history of cinema is huge and his approach if he's ever if his na- name is ever attached to Sonic as director everyone should go see those films just out of respect for Martin Scorsese it's his first venture in, into PG rated movies a kids film so this should be very exciting very family orientated movie do you think that um, like De Niro and uh, you know those famous actors who have sort of changed their stripes later in their career when De Niro became a comedic actor is this something similar? Because Martin Scorsese was uh, in Shark Tale with Will Smith. He oh, was like yeah. The that was like his fun sort of role. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think this is similar. I think he's going to approach it with a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to be like a case of Eddie Murphy, you know, who's a great comedy action star. Then he become, makes all these kids sort of films. I don't think... I think this is just like he saw something in the script and went, I want to do this, and he's going to approach it. So like uh, David Lynch doing straight story. He saw something in the script and just had to do that. And it's a very big departure from what he normally does, but it's going to be a good film. I have no doubt in my mind. All right, the next film I'm looking forward to, uh, just to change pace just a little bit, is a directorial debut. Seth MacFarlane, who is the creator of Family Guy, is doing his first full-length feature film, and uh, it's called Ted, and it's due out for release in 2012. And so this one stars Mark Wahlberg, hot off the, uh, the fighter. And he plays a perfectly normal Boston native whose childhood wish is for his teddy bear, oh, I'm guessing his name Ted, mm-hmm. as per the title, to come to life. The bear is voiced by Seth MacFarlane, uh, and it remains his best friend well into his adult years. Conflict emerges when Ted's irresponsible and vulgar slacker lifestyle comes in the way of his attempt to embrace his adulthood and uh, the woman of his dreams who's played by Mila Kunis again. Uh, The supporting cast on this one, you've got Joel McHale, who's famous for being in Community at the moment, and Giovanni Ribisi is also in this one playing, you know, I'm guessing his kind of Boston friend. So um, 
the budget's $38 million, which is a nice budget for a first-time director. <laughs> uh, obviously, his sense of humor and everything from Family Guy, American Dad, Cleveland Show has made him very rich and successful. A hot property to watch, I think. Uh, Lloyd? <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Family Guy. Um, I just want to bring up the the guy who created Beavis and Butthead, Judge, Mike Judge. He went off and directed a feature film called Office Space. And yep. that was a very solid transition. Yep. And then uh, he followed it up with Idiocracy, which... That, that wasn't too bad. Was funny, I guess. Yeah, but it was not funny. well received, no, unfortunately. No. Um, and it was, it was funny. You know, Seth MacFarlane, I don't think he'll be a great he'll, a great director, but he'll be something like that, like a, like a judge. I, I don't think it's... It's going to be an epic sort of great film, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be for kids. I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of language. I think it's going to be like an adult film. Uh, I wanted to point out that the bear is actually CGI and yeah, the people he did live have, action. Um, feature films, didn't he do the the Star Wars uh, Blue Harvest and all that? Yeah, yeah. I feel like those. Well, they were features, weren't they? Well, they were animated features, they were I guess. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be interesting because I'm hoping this doesn't become like a Garfield where you've got the animated sort of animal around the humans. Um, Yeah, so I've got to stress that I have hopes for this film. Um, I'm hoping that... And you're a fan of Family Guy as well. You like that sense. Sure, yeah. I am. And uh, basically I sort of see it as uh, something I'm really quite looking forward to seeing. I mean, I'd love to see a trailer of... uh, But, I mean, Mark Wahlberg sort of... You got faith in uh, the projects he would choose... And, um, you know, creator of Entourage, yep. he's, he's got other things he could be doing uh, besides this film. It must be, like, fairly funny. You've got to think that yeah. there's something in the script that's picking up this And cast. it could transition well, like a judge, you know, making those office space. Like a smaller, funny f- film. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mila Kunis does the voice of Meg in uh, oh, Family that's Guy. Okay, yeah. I was so about to say, how the hell did he get her? <laughs> yeah, so they've sort of lifted her straight off, um, yeah. you know, the project. Here, yeah. Yeah, so the next one you're looking forward um, to. The next one I'm looking forward to is Savages, directed by Oliver Stone. I'm a huge Oliver Stone fan. Um, some say his career is going downhill, but I disagree. I think his... Uh, I liked Wall Street too. I liked um, uh, W and so forth. And this film is about uh, a drug trade in South America. Two Americans um, in, I think, Mexico it's set in. And they get mixed up in the drug deal and they kidnap their girlfriend, which they share between them. This sounds very gritty, sounds like he's going back to his Salvador roots. Um, very um, very dangerous and bloodthirsty material uh, for an aging director. And I hope, because he's done so much in the South America with his documentaries on Cuba, his documentaries you know, in South America, and of course um, the big one, his first film, which I, well, one of his first films that I think is his best one. Yeah, so he's going back to his roots with Salvador and so forth. And I think it's, it's going to be a very gritty and um, interesting film. I, I quite like Oliver Stone. I, uh, I like the choices he makes, but often they feel put upon him. <laughs> yeah. No? Since JFK, I imagine he gets every conspiracy script <laughs> that's ever going to be made. Yeah. Oh, you're the uh, JFK guy, right? You should do something good W. <laughs> Hoping for a controversial film, yeah. W was interesting. It was the first film about a president that was still in office. Yeah. You know, which is and, insanity. And he went the other way. Everyone thought it was going to be a film that really butchered um, uh, George W. Bush, but it was a very respectable biography on him, which yeah. people were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm amazed that didn't sort of earn more sort of critical acclaim and, yeah. and stuff. But and anyway. Wall Street too, people were hoping for, you know, a big, like, slash, uh, 
you know uh, attack on the on the whole state of the economy and you're right it was it was the green light was given during a period of the global financial crisis and they were hoping Oliver Stone to attack that savagely and it turned out to be this you know as always he's always at first he's always a drama a dramatist he he respects the characters uh, completely and makes a complete story before you know I feel like Wall Street 2 might not have worked because everybody's sick of Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) (laughs) Poor choice of actor. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Sort of, you put him in everything, like uh, Indiana Jones was a big one as well. Mm. Um, But just maybe overplaying him, and that was maybe part of it. Yeah, sure. Maybe uh, some unknown actor would have been, you know, suited that better. Kerry Mulligan was fine. Well, I think everyone was hoping for Michael Douglas to come back. You know, and stuff like that, and turned out to be a father and son sort of story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's something different. But yeah. Oliver Stone, you have a lot of faith in him. I have a lot of work. faith in him. I think it's going to be great. Coming back to the South American um, uh, subject matter, I think he's going to come out with something really nasty and gritty. Uh, what's the next film you're looking forward to? All right. So uh, have you seen the film Brick? Yes, I have. And you enjoyed that? Yeah, film? I liked it. The film Noir in the high school. Yeah, Absolutely. that was great. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ryan Johnson, who directed Brick. He uh, has a new film called Looper. All right. And uh, it's due out for release in 2012. I do believe it's all been shot. We're just uh, waiting on an official release. And uh, it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's pretty big at the moment. You know, 500 Days of Summer. He was in um, Inception. You know, his star is on the rise. He's actually, again, in The Dark Knight Rises. So, uh, you know, handpicking some of the actors I enjoy to watch. Um, The plot is a present-day killer who is played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, works for a mob in the future and kills people who are sent from the future back to the past. And he recognises one of the victims, played by Bruce Willis, as himself. And he hesitates. Because obviously he doesn't know what's happened, I'm guessing, in his life, that he's become someone who the it's mob wants to kill. It's an original film, yeah? Not, yeah, not no, a remake, reboot? Not a, not a reboot, fantastic. not adapted, <laughs> yeah. a new story. Um, so... He hesitates killing him in killing himself, resulting in the escape of his older self, played by Bruce Willis. So it's kind of a Terminator-esque action film. It has a cle- clever premise, and the Loopers are the hitmen whose victims, you know, are sent back, and they bump them off. So there's no trace of the crime in the future. This has happened in the past, and they're unidentifiable John Doe's, you know. Uh, if they find Bruce Willis's body, you know, kind of thing, in a dumpster, they go, I don't know who this guy is, no identification, the prints don't match necessarily. Mm. Um, yeah, not in the system. Yeah. So it sounds like a fantastic little film. It's got uh, Emily Blunt in it as well, from The Devil Wears Prada. and uh, Sure. And also Piper Parabo, who's uh, the main character from Cody Ugly. And uh, she also had a small, interesting role in The Prestige, the Christopher Nolan okay, film as yeah. well, um, playing the, the drowning wife at the beginning. Um, I'm a sucker for time travel films. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoy, like, Back to the Future and, and, and tons of films that, like, have any you love kind of... book, The Time Traveler's Wife, as yep, well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Didn't really enjoy the film no, as much. Film terrible, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, but basically, I feel like uh, I'll give most time travel films a go, and this sounds like a really interesting yeah, premise. Yeah, the director's really talented. Um, I hope this gets a big budget with Bruce Willis and stars like that, and I'm hoping for an original film like Inception or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, 
uh, I just like hearing these original titles. Like, I'm so sick of reboots and yeah, remakes, yeah. you know. And I understand that Bruce Willis is difficult to work with. Yeah, There's... I heard he's a monster. Yeah, yeah, and for this relatively new director, you know, oh. <laughs> that would be an interesting one. Yeah. I think Bruce Willis has signed on for script purposes. My one thing I'm thinking about this film is, does Joseph Gordon-Levitt look like a young Bruce Willis or does Bruce Willis look like an older Joseph Gordon-Levitt right. enough for me to buy this premise? What do you think? Um, that's an interesting question. Let's see if he could pull it off. Yeah. He uh, could ratify the script so much and come out with another cop. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 love, I love Bruce Willis. I'm a huge fan of him. But yeah, I heard about the difficulties. Yeah. I love the idea that a version of yourself from the future could come back to the past, meet you, and tell you what's going to happen. Yeah. And that the choices that you make can create a whole parallel world. I mean, it's a, it's a paradox in itself. It shouldn't be able to happen, all that sort of stuff. All right, so the five films each of us are looking forward to, just to recap, Lloyd is looking forward to... Prometheus, directed by Ridley Scott. I'm looking forward to Oz, The Great and Powerful, directed by Sam Raimi. Looking forward to that one. And uh, A Dangerous Method by David Cronenberg. Uh, the yet-to-be-titled Catherine Bigelow film about uh, the capture and killing, I guess killing, not capture, of uh, Bin Laden. The People vs. George Lucas, a documentary uh, by a director whose name escapes me. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to remember the documentary <laughs> yeah. Um I'm looking forward to Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, June 2013. Uh, Hugo by Martin Scorsese, which is just about to come out. I'm looking forward to Seth MacFarlane's directorial debut, Ted. Um, and the next one is Savages by Oliver Stone. And finally, Ryan Johnson, the director of Brick, who uh, is coming out soon with a film called Looper. So we hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Um, feel free to subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes and become a fan on Facebook. The next podcast we hope to release is going to be one that you guys want us to do. We're looking for you to suggest a film um, on uh, on Facebook through our Facebook page, Pod Me If You Can, and we will review and discuss one of your suggestions for next time. Uh, thank you so much, guys, and all the best, and we look forward to reading all your comments. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm.